Welcome to The Last Call. It's a conversation between two boozy hacks. I'm John Sweeney in London, and uh, in New York is my friend Mike Weiss. And traditionally, The Last Call is a conversation where we compete as to whose country is more fucked up. The United Kingdom, Brexit, stupid Boris, stupid Jeremy Corbyn, etc., etc., or the United States. I give in, you win. You fucking win. <laughs> <laughs> do, I get, do I get the 800 quid oh, you won off Biden's welcome, election victory? Welcome to Trumpistan. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's, it, it's, it's like the, the, the opening line of the 18th Brumaire. You know, Hegel remarks somewhere that history happens twice. The first time, he forgot to add, as the sea of red hats. And the second time, as some cunt dressed as Braveheart being mounted by a water buffalo, invading the marbled halls of the American legislature. I mean, can, you can't make this up. You cannot, you know, I am sustained. I have continued to be sustained through all the, I wouldn't even call it alarmism, quite realistically grounded warnings about an attempted coup, he won't leave quietly, he won't leave at all, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that, the one refrain that I've stuck to is, look at these fucking people. Just look at them, right? This is not General Pinochet rolling in with tanks. This is not, this is not an organized, coherent, or even frankly, I mean, I, I, I want to be careful in how I say this because, you know, five people are dead as a result of this. But the most powerful man in the world his best last chance at hanging on to power was unleash the circus freaks on Capitol Hill. And it's already backfired on him, right? You've got Ted Cruz, you've got Lindsey Graham, they've all abandoned ship. You've got Adam Kinzinger calling for, I think the invocation of the 25th amendment, remove him because he's nuts. You've got an impeachment process already underway. Um, No, the Republican party brought this upon themselves and, you know, it's, it's, isn't, it, isn't it just poetically perfect that, you know, these conspiracy theorist, lizard people-minded nutbags descended on the Capitol and invaded both chambers of Congress, what, within minutes, maybe an hour or two of Mitch McConnell getting all moist in the eyes, talking about the perils of overturning a Democratic election? The guy who enabled Donald Trump for four years apologized for him, protected him, pretended like it was business as usual, even though this megalomaniac and this pathological narcissist was in the White House. So in a, in a way, I, I just think of it as a fitting end to this age of hysteria and paranoia. I mean, how, how else could it have gone? It wasn't going to be boring. It wasn't well, going to be peaceful. I, I, I don't want to be... Um, um, you're familiar with Dad's Army. I don't want to be... Um, uh, the Scottish, who's the Scottish guy in uh, Dad's Army? He goes around and says, we're all doomed. We're doomed. We're all doomed. Um, Private Fraser, who's the undertaker. Uh, he's got another, um, whatever it is, 12, 11, 13 days in power. Well, 12 days, yeah. Um, could the good you... news is the Cuban Missile Crisis was only 13, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we're already about 24 hours ahead of that so one. Could he nuke Iran or Iraq or Ireland by mistake? <laughs> Well, if he, if he nukes Ireland, there'll, there'll be fallout in Scotland, and there goes his golfing trip immediately uh, after leaving the White House. 
Look, I mean, I've seen the reporting. Nancy Pelosi had a call in with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Keep this this guy away from the nuclear codes. Don't know if I quite. I, she might have done as a kind of symbolic gesture or a bit of theatrics, but um, yeah, look, I mean, it, it it was a concern. I think up until Wednesday that his his parting salvo was was going to be to start a war or to do something precipitous and and you know to try and tie the hands of Joe Biden. But I think I think this was his climax, right? He egged these these idiots on. He told them to march on Capitol Hill, and they did. And it has now backfired on him. I mean, even the MAGA loyalists, the, 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 the insurgents in Congress who are trying to overthrow this election, have now climbed down. You've got them talking not in terms of this was okay or this was no big deal or this is liberal fake news. You've got them talking in terms of impeachment is the wrong line of attack because it, it, it'll just upset the apple cart more. Let's just wait about and, and, and let, him, let him go. So, you know, even his clack have abandoned him now. And the idea that he's going to return in 2024, really? Even, even Republicans are going to want to replay this? I don't think they do. And the ones who stood a good chance of inheriting his mantle, or at least they thought they did, Ted Cruz, Josh Howley, look at the fucking egg on their face now. They are wankers. They look like absolute fucking wankers. And even members of their own party think that, you know, they, they, they chose the wrong hill to die on, politically speaking. So, um, by the way, we should, um, we never actually get around to doing this properly, but let's, let's just talk about what we're drinking. So we might. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, what are you drinking again? You, you drink your normal? I'm drinking, I'm still on my, see, this is, you know, Kingsley Amos used to have a great booze column. And I forget what British newspaper where he would talk about all the concoctions he made. And he could talk about it quite wittily and, and there'd be personal anecdotes. We have the most boring alcoholics program in existence because every week or every time we do this, it's the same fucking thing. We're drinking, you know, it's actually, it's, 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 it's kind of Orwellian, you know, like it's our dram of, of this sedative. Is, so I am drinking Momocchio. Uh, um, God knows when the Brexit bites from um, Agri Sigritum, uh, which is something like the secret farm. It's not that secret. I've been there. Um, but um Somewhere in the depths of Umbria, very, very beautiful place. Uh, lots of, um, anyway, it's really lovely and yummy and, and all of that. And what are you drinking? Your uh, gin and uh, soda? Yeah, my, uh, my Roku gin. My, it's made by Suntory, the J- Japanese whiskey distillery. They've, they've branched out into other. I've actually got some, um, my son bought me a bottle of uh, uh, Japanese whiskey for Christmas. So um, I nice, would, isn't it? it's really, really good. Yeah. And um, um, I was thinking that if Scotland does declare independence, which or becomes independent, um, good luck to them. But then I can drink Scottish whiskey. Uh, sorry, Japanese whiskey. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm only. I'm not going to really do that because I really, really like Scottish whiskey. Um, but Japanese whiskey is good. However, going back to the States, I'm wrestling between two, two instincts. One of which is that Trump and Trumpism, the kind of the, ide- the ideology isn't going away and one shouldn't celebrate. But what's the ideology, John? There is no ideology. It's a personality uh, cult. I've got a, um, 
I've got there are there are impulses. It, there, it's it's kind of impulse politics, right? Um, abroad, bad. America, Christian, white, that's good. Um, Middle East, dangerous brown people. We should stay out of their affairs. Or if we go in, steal the oil, kill the terrorists, get out. There's no ideology. It, it, there's not a coherent set of beliefs. What is this? What is the grand strategy of Trumpism? Um, it's it's just emotive, and it requires the figurehead. It requires the the personality. And you know, even even if he had left on a higher note, again, you know, looking at his likely successors, uh, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, these guys look like hall monitors in comparison. They don't have that kind of raw outer borough, low life charisma that he capitalized on to say, I'm the guy who's going to smash up the establishment. I mean, you look at a guy like Ted Cruz or Josh Halley, I mean, Harvard, Yale, they are the establishment. They can't pretend the way that, 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 that Trump was able to. And, and, you know, Trump's whole masquerade was just that, right? I mean, this guy also went to Yale. He, he was the, the scion of a real estate fortune, but he, he, he was rough around the edges. There was the kind of grittiness. He, he didn't the, go to Yale. He, he went to somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. I've forgotten what it was, but it's not Yale. Trump. Um, yeah, it was one of the Ivy Leagues for business school or something like it that, right? It was a right? bit rubbish. It's called something, beginning with P, can't remember. But I feel um, that, and I tweeted as such as um, while it was happening, that this is actually um, a wonderful... Uh, I didn't use this expression, but it was a good day for democracy. Um, because for me, this signals the dead end of Trumpism, and it's a kind of, and populism is fucked. And everybody around the world can see, now maybe that's, I'm being too um, excited about that, but it felt to me that you can, this is the dead end where populism ends up, which is actually smashing into democracy. And well, they were all promised that, you know, the, 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 the hardcore of the conspiratorial base, and you, you can see this in black and white. I mean, the reporting that's been done on the lead up to January 6th, where everyone was talking in the nether regions of the internet about storming the Capitol, um, which raises, of course, the question of well, why wasn't the Capitol Police more vigilant and why did they not have sufficient numbers to ward this stuff up? But they all expected this deus ex machina. Trump would miraculously, you know, stop the steal and remain president. And now, you know, you had Facebook and Twitter take his two principal toys away. And then he comes back meekishly like a dog that's been through the car wash with the top down saying, <laughs> uh, there'll be a new presidency on January 20th, but I'm not attending the inauguration. And now all of those people feel repudiated and betrayed yes. by their dear leader. So yeah. What it what it will I think the next phase of this is going to be it's already started is the cannibalization of MAGA which fine best of luck to all sides on that front <laughs> but as a as a viable consequential political force again explain to me who will be the standard bearer of this 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 non ideology this kind of as I called it the impulse politics this hodgepodge of of instinct and and sort of kind of posturing. And how will it ever come to power again? Because even the people who voted for these guys on the basis of tax cuts or conservative judgeships or all of these other things, do they really think that the, the, the price that, that they had to pay was worth it? I'm, no doubt some of them do. 
But already, I mean, when the New York Post says, hang it up, you're ruining your legacy. When the Wall Street Journal, as they did today, comes out with an editorial saying resign when you've got 12 days left. That's it, it's game over. I've got a, Trump gave me when I met him in 2013, a red Trump tennis hat, um, baseball cap. And I've got it, and I used to, um, I've got a soft top BW, and I used to drive it around Italy, and it was quite useful until I became embarrassed by it. Um, and um, one of my mates, an Everton supporter, gave me an Everton baseball cap, which was much nicer, and I was happy with that. But I've still got um, my uh, Trump. It's not a MAGA hat. It's a Trump. You know, he gave it to me um, in a plastic bag in 2013. And I just feel, well, how much is that? Like worth? a crime scene. It's got <laughs> bloody fingerprints all over it. He gave it to you a plastic bag. About spag bowl. Don't talk about it. You've got to separate the crime scene of the spag bowl with the, <laughs> the spaghetti bowl. <laughs> but I do feel, I feel a kind of sense of suppressed joy that this dark nonsense is this dark fairy tale, as I like to say. It's one of my favourite phrases, but this dark fairy story is almost at its conclusion. And, um, and he's... Yeah, you've got that sense. And, you know, political movements, at the, at the precise moment they expire, often seem the most climactic, right? So you, you could have looked on the scene, everyone did, watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox even, January 6th, and Civil War takes America, right? People storming the, the seat of power of the federal government. But it, it, to me, it, 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 it sort of, it's very redolent of a kind of last gasp. I mean, this was all that they've got left, right? Yes. He, he cannot also- overturn the institutions of American small r republicanism. He, he, is, he has failed at that. Every legal attempt, every rhetorical attempt, and now every attempt to incite mass violence has failed. And I mean, the only thing presumably he's got left is to try and wage a real military push, but it doesn't seem to me, based on statements that have been made by current and former military officials, that that has any chance of success. And he's acknowledged, he's leaving, he's admitted defeat. So good, you know, they, they first was the denial and then the demoralization and now comes the disillusionment. When would and so be- you could argue that's a very dangerous period to be in because that's going to lead to more acts of violence and it may well do. But again, looking sort of f- farsightedly as a political force, this is spent. I have yet to hear a coherent argument for how it's going to return bigger and more dangerous than before. No, no, no. I feel I feel that Trumpism is um, is dead. Um, but also, I, I I was, I know you know, uh, shoot me down. Um, but I actually like listening to Mitch McConnell um, when he said, "It's not even close." Right. And and you know, I thought that was a devastating line, and and, and actually an observation that I hadn't thought of myself, much as I hate. I've hated Trump my whole, um, well, uh, for a long, long, long time. Um, and I thought that was, that was a stunning line. Um, I don't know. There is another, a slightly darker side of me, which is a reporter um, or somebody who's fascinated by things going wrong. I wonder whether I'm going to miss him. 
<laughs> I know what you mean. You know, the lurid appeal and the kind of the way that it, it sort of emancipated people like ourselves to speak a little more freely or well, hyperbolically than usual, right? I'm thinking about my my un, unborn granddaughter who bets um, 500 quid on show to win in March. By the way, this unborn child has better financial planning already than I have in my long and agonized 40 years i mean how much how much money have you have you used have you leveraged using your your unborn granddaughter she's she's 13 well so the point is that uh i won on that one um or rather uh the unborn grandchild i um uh she won the 750 and then the other day when her grandfather to be was a little tipsy it's locked down what the fuck do you do um I know John Ossoff. Uh, I've been on the drink with him oh, in, yeah? in London because he um, had a, um, a TV company with a really good friend of mine, Ron McCullough, who's a great, great um, uh, a journalist um, and a wonderful um, reporter back in the day for the Today programme in the 80s and 90s. Anyway, Ron um, introduced me to John and the three of us um, and my, um, my effective uh, godson, um, a guy called Fred Sculthorpe uh, was working as a kind of intern, uh, I think for a bit of money, I'm not sure. But anyway, the four of us went on the drink around Fleet Street uh, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, and John's a seriously interesting and funny man. I know he's a politician at the moment, but he's a good bloke. And I thought, I think he, it was the moment when the Trump tape came out of him bullying the Republican Secretary of State for Georgia, whatever it is, the the, uh, mm-hmm. the Republican, um, um, well, the the man in charge of the election machinery who happens to be a member of the Republican Party, and Trump's bullying him, and I thought that tape was so appalling. If I was a dyed-in-the-wool Republican, but a constitutional Republican who believed in the American Constitution, then I would find myself voting for Ossoff. I couldn't see off losing at that point my granddaughter to be bet 500 quid on Ossoff um, and and I got or rather she got 615 quid so at the moment my unborn granddaughter is, is 1300 and something up now what I ought to say it's very important to point out is that some bets can go wrong you can lose at betting and you should bet sensibly I'm thinking of uh, somebody you and I um, know of well. I, I, he doesn't like me very much, but his name is Nigel Farage. And he bet £10,000 on Donald Trump to win. So I'm not going to... All I'm going to say is that my unborn granddaughter has got more fucking betting now than Nigel Farage. <laughs> and, and she bet on a Jewish boy from the Deep South becoming a senator. Well, like... Which- that, Any other I mean, year, I would have said, oh, you know, that's, I don't, that's, I, that's a long I, shot, I don't, I mean, at no point, um, um, I, I barely knew whether uh, the Ossoff was Jewish. I, obviously, I could work it out if it was, um, if somebody sent me an O-level question, but I, I had no sense of this guy being Jewish in any... Nor, nor I until, I don't know, I saw somebody tweet about it, um, the first yeah. black senator from the Deep South and the first the thing, Jewish... The thing that hit me 
was that 100 years ago, i.e. in like 2020, uh, sorry, 1920, a Jewish bloke, B'nai B'rith, I don't even know what, but I know B'nai B'rith, some kind of Jewish organization, I don't really know what it is, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, he was lynched in Georgia, and right. that led to a lot of um, um, uh, Jewish people leaving Georgia because, because that's what happened to Jews there. So yeah. I didn't know this. But anyway, what you've ended up with is that in 2020, all right, uh, uh, Joe Biden, his granddad, who can't remember where he's left the, the keys to the car, he's the president. But you've got a black guy and a Jewish bloke in the Deep South winning. Uh-huh. And that's fucking fantastic. And the moment Joe is president, I'm going to find, if I can, on the internet, a little American flag, which I'll wave at you the next time we do the last school. You see, and I the, will the thing is, that, that, that became an established... What's that? What's your anthem again? What's my anthem? You mean yeah, the Star Spangled Banner? Yeah, how's it go? Oh, say, can you see? You, you can remember, you know, a Jewish guy lynched in Georgia in 1920, but you don't know the American national anthem. Well, yeah, all right. So how's it go? Uh, by the way, the dog's ears are twitching. Do, 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 oh, say, can you see by the dawn's well, so early light? Give me the tune. I don't know the You word. know why you blocked it out? It's because it's based on us licking your lot. That's why. Oh, now fine. I get it. Now I get it. It's a Freudian thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Sing me that little ditty again. What was it? How does it go? By the way, um, what was great, uh, somebody uh, is, I've got a couple of, I have a number of uh, uh, friends who I uh, follow and retweet occasionally when, um, who are conservative when no one's watching. And one of them tweeted uh, another argument for our constitutional monarchy in the middle of... You know, it's funny. I was I was watching the Queen on Wednesday. Don't save the Queen. And and you know, there was a very menacing picture of a guy with a Confederate flag marching through the oh, rotunda. And there's and there's and, and you, we didn't have that. We didn't have that in the 1860s. I mean, they never got that far, thank God. But 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 your lot did in 1812, and they burnt down yeah. the cat. So in my mind's eye, I kept envisaging if what if a load of Brits descended on. Capitol Hill and then decided to storm the halls of Congress. I mean, contemporary post third way, post Blair Brits. So essentially guys on stag do who think that they're in Talon, you know, (laughs) with their pints of Foster's shouting football hooligan slogans and just descending on the cat. How great of a moment would that have been? Post-colonial comeuppance. They would be machine guns. Right now, I mean, the... Uh... No, they wouldn't, because the Capitol Police would say that even, you know, a guy from Manchester, oh, what a lovely accent you have. You know? <laughs> <laughs> have you come here to teach us about legislative or parliamentary democracy? <laughs> you guys can still get away with, with anything. You send, you send the wretched of the earth from the scepter dial. You send the dumbest that you've got over here. And then simply by dint of them having what to a, a, an untutored and untrained American ear is a lovely accent, they shoot right to the top. What's that guy? What's his name? He was on CNN for a spell. He took over uh, Larry King. Now he's doing the morning show. Piers Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We, did, he, we didn't ask for that. He was, uh, uh, he was um, 
for a long time, he was a massive apologist for Donald Trump. Um, and he shouldn't be forgiven for that. Um, yeah, well, he did, but he's like this this British Pujadist kind of, you know, almost like a, I don't know, would you put him in kind of the Farage constellation? No, no he's cleverer than that in that he is roughly, um, I would guess that he voted Labour or Liberal, probably Liberal at the last election. He's r roughly on the side. He's kind of most of the time left, left of centre, but every now and then he has kind of, he jumps. And what's fascinating, like it's like watching a jack-in-a-box, which way is he going to jump? And so for a long time, he gave, um, and also uh, he gave Trump the benefit of the doubt for far too long when, mm. uh, when it was clearly wrong. Um, and... He also, he's got a different, um, his position on Brexit has been, well, we voted for Brexit, let's go for it. And people like me still worry about the, the, uh, the nature of that vote. What was it? Was it, was it manipulated by dirty Russian money, for example, is something that I still worry about very, very much. Um, to be honest, uh, you know, COVID is terrible in in London now more than I yeah. think um, you're under strict quarantine again right yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's um I mean I've lived in London since I was 18 since I went to the LSE and it's the grimmest it's ever been or rather I spent four years in Sheffield on the Sheffield Telegraph but um um pretty much my entire adult life is, I've lived in London and this is the worst it's ever been in mm. terms of how bleak the city is um, there's hardly anybody there, but we know, you know, you, you, everybody, well, virtually everybody is respecting these rules because we can see the, um, the infection rate, the death rate, and uh, our poor doctors and nurses are in desperate trouble in trying to cope with it. And it can only get worse because the exponential, exponential um, nature of the virus. Meanwhile, the jabs are happening. That's real. Um, so that's good. Um, but is that being implemented better than it is here? Because here you've got something like 14 million doses of the vaccine sort of idling on shelves because there's no, there's no s systematic national policy for implementing. That, well, that's because Trump doesn't care. Um, I think yeah, that... I, I think what I'm saying is you guys have it it, it, it's we, more we have it listen methodic, it's a problem. Right? so that i'm uh, this i'm 62 um my daughter says um she's organizing she's working at works for a volunteer charity and she said we'll get around to you in february um I, I, she's not in a position to put me uh, but my gp um my gp's office have texted me to say uh, you're eligible for the um the vaccine terrific and I have never been able to get hold of the, um, um, whenever I phone my GP's number, the office, it's continually engaged. So, um, however, um, our health services, although it's been underfunded, and it's not as good as the German health service, it's a pretty good health service, and it's good at this stuff, and we're, we're mm -hmm. at it. So, um, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, to be honest, Mike, I'm 
I and this is weird, but I feel I feel way more optimistic than I've done in in years because it felt I, like I, I that. 2016 was a a poison um it was a poison tide for democracy mm. for decency for the things that you and I really care about and um I, I, you know we were completely on the back foot um Putin was doing, um, you know, becoming stronger and stronger, not challenged properly. Britain went down this nostalgic nonsense of Brexit. America hits the nostalgic nonsense of Trump. And everything is going to, to the dogs. And now Trump is leaving, but he's leaving on a terrible note. Yeah. And, and, I, and I feel that is... This is where his his hatred and contempt for the other. This is where it ends up, folks. A pathetic, um, a badly done coup against functioning democracy, where his own lieutenants turn on him. Mitch McConnell, Pence, even. But Pence says, yeah. "I mean, I um, in the middle of the night." Pence says, "We shall carry on with our work, whatever the. Fr- it's such a boring thing." but it feels like Winston fucking Churchill. You know, it's a, we're going to carry on with the job of democracy. Um, yeah. And, and so, um, and I, I, I know granddad who's forgotten his keys, Joe's. I think Joe will be better than many, many people on the left thought he would be. He can't do, he can't do worse. Well, he, he'll just be a custodian trying to tackle a pandemic sort of restore some sense of normalcy or frankly just restore some sense of boredom to American politics, you know, make America boring again, sort of my slogan at the moment. I'm just, I'm tired of waking up every day, fearing my Twitter feed or fearing, you know, the latest headline. And it's going to be something inane, but then it turns into something catastrophic. And so I think if we can look back on these four years, and again, we've got 12 days to go, so I don't want to get ahead of my skis here, but look back on the four years as an uncontrolled experiment in authoritarian demagoguery taking hold and grip of the country, but also as a a, a cautionary tale for what might happen in future if you have a team of competent and clever and even more ambitious tyrants running this kind of system, right? Um, because there's something to be said for Trump can happen once, he can happen again, and therefore, you know, we should be on guard for a, a smarter version of it where, you know, everything that Trump was lacking is there and therefore it becomes even more dangerous. But then again, you can't, you can't factor for that future hypothetical without also remembering the concrete and the, 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 the past precedent, right? So Trump, in a sense, can be good for the long-term thinking of American Republican democracy because we've had it, we've seen what it's led to. Even those who, who might have been fellow travelers of it for a spell, I think, are now sufficiently disillusioned by it. And I just sense, even for apolitical types, just a, 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 a longing for... Stultification, a longing for the same boring. It's not. It's not, it's not stultification. I, 
boring and solification is too pejorative. It's ordinary. When there's a political... Yeah, well, but, 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 but stultification in the sense that if, if you're not interested in politics, politics does not smash down the front door of your house, yeah, yeah. invade, yeah. invade your, yeah. your inner sanctum yeah. and, and just colonize your mind yeah. 24-7, yeah. Yes. right? That is the sweet... And I know it in my own self. In 2016, the moment Flynn became National Security Advisor, I read it on Twitter, and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, London time, and I couldn't sleep that night because mm. I knew about Flynn and Putin. And um, and I thought, oh, my God, the National Security Advisor of um, the United States of America is a Putin stooge. Um, and that his whole his whole his whole worldview. I mean, I, I know it fairly well was, you know, Russia is a, a an exponent of Western Christendom. We are fighting this war against radical Islam. The leading actor or the leading malevolent force in that on the other side of that war is Iran. So we want to we want to cleave Moscow away from Tehran, make Moscow America's ally, and then wage this kind of total war against uh, Islamism. That was his thinking. Now he's just he's not. I mean, as you can tell, this is a guy who's now espousing QAnon conspiracy theories. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed, Um, but he had this very, he had one big idea, sort of messianic world historical idea, which was just wrong because what what I just laid out for you would never happen for a variety of reasons, but that's what he was trying to prosecute in his 15 minutes as national security advisor. And yeah, you know, you've got, I mean, barking mad people who, whether because they're true believers or they're cynics cashing checks, I mean, you know, look, I was never a huge fan of Rudy Giuliani when he was mayor of New York. I lived here. Uh, I did quite like and admire the way he handled 9-11. It was a global crisis. And even our own president at the time seemed to be out to lunch. And America's mayor, that, that, that actually did mean something for that two-week period where we were all in shock. I have a hard time. Did this guy sort of lose his mind and become sort of a, a cartoon character or uh, I don't know what happened to him along the way where he just decided if, if you're cutting checks for tens of thousands of dollars per day to his consultancy or his whatever it is that he's, he's doing, he'll say it and do anything. Uh, so when did he become a prostitute or when did he lose his mind? That's the big question for somebody like Giuliani, but these other people, I mean, What's the name? I forget. The woman who's now being sued by Dominion, the 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 voting booth company, for saying Hugo Chavez <laughs> been dead for what fifteen years, rigged this election. I mean, where do they find these fucking people? It, this is what I mean. It's like it's not even attempting to be plausible or persuasive. It's like they're getting up there. It's almost like they're 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 being held hostage by Trump. And they are speaking in code to the hostage negotiators, like, take this seriously. This is how bonkers this fucking guy is. He's going to kill us and then kill all of you. And they're saying the most outlandish thing. It's like they're spe- speaking in some kind of Straussian subtextual language. Yes. Or, or they're just lunatics. They, I, I don't know. I, I, can, I, um, I reported on 9-11. Um, for the BBC. It was one of my first jobs at the BBC. And um, um, we did a little film, which was a sad, desperately melancholy film, where we followed people 
who were still hoping to see their loved ones. And they put posters up and there was an Italian American family um, who had, they had a janitor who worked for one of the big Wall Street um, brokerages right at the top of the tower. And his widow said, they're still, they don't believe he's dead. And his widow lived in, probably lived in the Queens, said um, he was no big shot. He was just a janitor, but he was a good guy. And he looked after me and looked after the kids. And he went to work every day. And I cannot, believe, and there's just, and, and I can remember at the time, Giuliani didn't lose his, um, um, didn't lose it in the way that George W. did. He, George W. was kind of almost broken by the moment. Yeah. And couldn't, couldn't find words to deal with it. Right. Yanni came out punching and I thought, good on you. Mm-hmm. I can remember feeling that. And now this time, uh, 20 years on, George, well, I, I kind of, I love the moment in 2016 um, when George W., started mucking around with his rain hood like and, and he's got he's a bit of a tommy cooper character in the um uh, for our american listeners tommy cooper is a wonderful comedian who wore a face who pretended to be a really crap uh, magician and had an alcohol problem um and uh, i need to drink as i tell the story and was mm, had an alcohol problem and was a really crap uh, magician but every now and then the magic worked. And, and, and what was completely compelling was, is he pissed and a rubbish magician? Or is he actually a brilliant magician pretending to be pissed? Right. And, and the answer was, it was a bit of both depending on the night, but never right. mind. But um, there was, I thought George W's impression of Tommy Cooper, in my mind, of the him with the rain hood. And Michelle Obama's trying not, she's, you can feel her sort of stop it. You're like, well, and this is weird shit as she puts on the rain hood in the middle of all this stuff. And I thought to myself, good on you, George W. I don't agree with Iraq, uh, what you did in Iraq. Of course, I don't agree with a whole bunch of things. But fundamentally, you get democracy and you get the decency that is at the heart of democracy. And George W., stood up for that in a way Giuliani fucked up. I don't understand it. But Giuliani too, you know, if you go back to the 90s when he was mayor, you know, and he did a lot of things overweeningly. Um, I mean, he was very heavy handed with, uh, you know, sort of these rules governing what can and can't be allowed. And I mean, turn Times Square into Disneyland. And not that Times Square was any great shakes beforehand, but you know, the funkiness of New York City dissipated it became a manhattan became a place where the middle class simply could not afford to live any longer except under extraordinary circumstances or at a much reduced quality of life um under his mayoralty some would say that's a good thing because it meant more more money came into the city and you know industry and commerce and all that but you know the one the one quality to giuliani back then was no bullshit so he would do his weekly mayoral program and there, there was this I suppose the term viral hadn't been invented to refer to things that proliferate um, across the world. But there was this guy he used to call up who was very, very down on New York City's laws governing the keeping and domestication of ferrets as pets. 
<laughs> and every week the ferret guy would call in to Giuliani's mayoral program. And there's this one clip, you can still find it if you Google around, of Giuliani just laying into the guy. I mean, filleting this guy. He's like, I'm going to call him Brad for the sake of argument. I said, Brad, listen to me. You're obsessed with ferrets. You need help. This is a sickness. It has to stop now. And it was just, it, it was hilarious. And you're, you're listening to this, like, this put upon politician who's got so many other high priorities being lectured, harangued about a fucking, you know, wildlife. And now I realize Giuliani and Brad, the ferret man, it's like one of those 80s movies where they, you, you know, the, 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 the soul and the body switch. Giuliani has become the ferret man. He sounds like a barking mad caller into some AM radio program at four o'clock in the morning talking about, you know, space aliens have inhabited the earth and are posing as congressmen. Dead Latin American dictators have stolen elections. The Bilderberg group is running a pedophile ring out of the Washington Monument. I mean, it's just, he's, he has, and again, if, if it's an act, I give him credit. I mean, the, the theatrical performance is quite compelling, but I don't think it is. I think he's, I think he's lost something. Yeah, In no, addition to, it's a combination of losing his marbles and sheer cynicism. Give me the money, give me the money, give me the money. I'll never be president, so I'm going to cash in. But um, the winner is American democracy. It feels like... Time being, yeah. um, I I can remember when I was um, in primary school and we were arguing... um, There was somebody making a case for uh, the Russians um, really helping us defeat the Nazis and I said that's true but we also couldn't have done it without the Americans too which is the case because America um, sent an awful lot of muscle um, to the uh, to the Soviet Union in terms of aid in particular radar um, um, technology anyway it's a different argument but I've always um, this sounds silly, but it's true. I've always loved the idea of the United States. Weirdly, best expressed through Star Trek movies um, or Star Trek, the TV series, when I was a kid. But you know, I, I um, uh, even as a as an eleven year old um, or whatever it was when it came across the first interracial kiss on American terrestrial TV was in Star Trek. And the the idea that Star Trek is actually about the idea of the American, um, of of American democracy and its potential and all of that. And I've always kind of loved it. And throughout everything, all the president's men and all the films we've seen, you kind of get it that, that America, although it's made terrible mistakes, um, throughout its history is fundamentally a good place. And I, having been to Eastern Europe before the fall of the wall in uh, Ceausescu's Romania and and, uh, commie Czechoslovakia in 88, you just, you see that stuff and you say, well, thank God I was brought brought up under the um, American umbrella rather than the Russian one, rather than the Soviet one or the Chinese one. I absolutely believe that. From 2016 onwards, it's been very, 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 very hard 
yeah. to be a good friend of the United States. It's been very, very hard. Now, 12 days, we've got this fucker, but um, hopefully he won't start a war. I don't think he's going to start a war. He's out. And then, um, and then America will be um, sexy again. I want to go... I want to go to New York. I want to go to the, the, like when we can, when we can fly, when we can all the, when we can move around again. I want to go to New York. I want to go to the capital. Um, I want to go to Georgia and hang around in uh, seriously interesting bars in Atlanta, which they must be. Um, maybe uh, uh, go on the drink with Ossoff, but he's probably too busy. And then I want to go to Arkansas and meet, you know, like where, where, who's the guy who looks like Chewbacca from Star Wars? That's that's the, the the Q shaman. That's the guy, the, the Braveheart being raped by a water buffalo. That's what yeah. I. Wait, where's he from? Uh, I, it's funny. I, I was just about to say Florida, just because he must be. But no, he's not from Florida. He's from some other state. It's the New York Post wrote a whole thing about him. But if you listen to this guy, basically he's been reading fringe conspiracy theory books and just. It, devouring YouTube videos about the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group. Um, what's the third one? I forget. Anyway, so it's just, he is, he is the kind of perfect embodiment of the internet's fever swamps. And he gave a whole discourse on camera, breaking down in his mind the way the world works. And the only thing I have to say is, uh, I'm amazed he wasn't appointed National Security Advisor. <laughs> At least a fortnight. I mean, you know, I'm sure Trump would have not been too keen on the uh, the, the wild elk costume, but everything else just sounds very just, you know, he's got it all figured out. He's got one big answer for a lot of complicated different things. Just before, I mean, I've been um, uh, um, roaming going down the pub. I've just been binge watching old old movies, and I um, and I just watched. Um, uh, Star Wars, well, the good ones before the uh, the rubbishy ones, and then there's a moment when Princess Leia says, "Well, get this walking carpet out of my way." <laughs> no, the walking carpet is actually he's in Congress, yeah, <laughs> and then flanked by two guys who look like they might have raised an eyebrow on the on the set of Duck Dynasty, one of whom, or maybe this is another guy, but I've been keeping very close track of the colorful persona that we've seen one guy showed up wearing his work id badge around yeah, his yeah, neck. yeah 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 i saw you that didn't, you didn't I, I, bellingcat I didn't, to figure out who he was where he was bellingcat i mean um elliot from bellingcat put that up yeah. and I, I, I don't I, whenever i saw that i thought oh fucking hell that's stupid well you so no, and, and and what i what I, I i also enjoy i keep a little private ledger of the kind of the anti-anti-Trump sentiment, because it, it's worth revisiting in light of what's happened. And so all the people who were saying the civ civil unrest in the summer, which started with, quite rightly in my opinion, tearing down or defacing Confederate monuments, but then graded into some, you know, super ideological attempt to raise all monuments, whether to the founding fathers or even to anti-slavery abolitionists and so on, um, and then what was really needed was law and order and, you know, the media in collusion with the Democrats completely elided this domestic anarchy and blah, 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 blah. Well, now I'm hearing, well, isn't it a bit 
cruel and isn't it kind of you know the embodiment of how the far left has captured all the institutions to be naming and shaming people who stormed the capital and getting them sacked from their jobs so so, so now you're concerned about government property yeah. being defaced did you see the article that they they defecated inside the halls of congress and smeared their feces on the walls i mean this is this is to me that the the the, the consummate irony of this whole thing during Right after 9-11, and certainly in the lead up to the Iraq war, conservative pundits, conservative, I don't know what you would call them back then, but you know, the guys who basically became Project Veritas, doing these kind of covert camera-based sting operations, getting, getting liberals and leftists to say embarrassing things. They would go around, particularly to the anti-war rallies, and they would interview some proper Hebrew-Phrenic nutters who would be talking exactly like our friend in the bison hat, Chewbacca, right? The, the Bilderberg Group in league with the World Trade Organization in league with the World Bank are doing this, that, and the other. And, 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 but it was, it was okay because it was in the, you know, in, in the pursuit of stopping a foreign intervention in Middle Eastern country. Now, all of these crazy people that were the comic foils for conservative media have become aligned with the conservative cause, or at least the Donald Trump version of the conservative cause, and instead of just sheer merciless mockery and a, and a sort of face-grabbing sense of shame and horror, it's, well, you know, they're probably working class. They've got legitimate grievances. There really was, you know, instances of voter fraud. This, this attempt to apologize for the nuttiest contingent of the American electorate. To me, it, it, it's, it's fascinating to behold this sort of double bookkeeping that I'm seeing here. If these were if these were Black Lives Matter protesters, yes. or if these were proper Antifa, as they've alleged that they were, you'd be hearing a much different tune from the likes of Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and their surrogates online, but wouldn't if you? They would have been machine guns. Uh, you know, yeah, they would have been shot. Or if they weren't, there would have been calls for them to be shot. Yes. Um, uh, um, that's a sound, is that a... Um, is that the White House launching? My wife giving me instructions for what I have to do this evening, as usual. She doesn't <laughs> know that I'm talking to you. <laughs> you went to get a manicure with the with the baby, and now I have to go pick up the baby because I'm sure she's after an hour. You know, it's suddenly, where are you, the co-parent? You know, you know that you've been married like eight thousand times. You know the routine. I've been, uh, divide that by four thousand and uh, I've been married twice. Um yeah, no, I um it's hard. Um this lockdown is the grimmest because the death rate is really high. Um so you know it's wrong to 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 hunger um for the old the old life. But um um but it is I mean, first chance we get, we're on a plane to the Caribbean or wherever. I mean, I hunger for the old life. That's all I do every day, day in, day out. No, I'm, I'm going to load my... Uh, my we started dog. this podcast in March because I remember I was in my in-law's house in Michigan. It's almost a year yeah. we've been doing this. Well, that's the same background for you. We've yes. never been in the same physical space. We drink the same alcohol. We talk about the same things. I mean, truly, we're, we're, we are inhabiting our own dystopian novel. You realize that? Well, no. But when you talk about but the things is but, uh, longing for the for the past, that's mate. That's all I do. I 
I can imagine, um, well, soon uh, Trump will have gone and this will be a kind of a nightmare. I'm excited by um, the possibility of uh, uh, my granddaughter. And then at some point, you know, like 10 to five, five years, well, I, I kind of, I want to live till I'm 80 so I can go to the pub with her when she's like 16, when it's all right. And then uh, go, well, by the way, before you were born, you made 1,300 quid out of fucking Donald Trump. <laughs> well, so, you know, like, what am I going to say? I mean, not to my, my daughter, who's lived through this too, albeit she won't remember it, but to my grandchildren, it's like, oh, yeah, you missed the, you missed the big one of 2020, the pandemic, which was just unprecedented. I said, oh, really, granddad, what did you do? Well, I sat around and watched Netflix. I got drunk on cheap Japanese gin. I talked to some old git in the UK via the internet. Remember that? And uh, otherwise, I was okay, you know, uh, just really bored. It's like, oh, okay, greatest generation right here, my old man. Okay, it's not, uh, my dad was in the Battle Atlantic, and it's not quite like that. Um, uh, but, um, he always had a, he adored Canada because the moment they get, he was in the Merchant Navy, but the moment they get a, in the middle, um, Iceland, there would be, uh, the Royal Navy would uh, say goodbye and they were looked after by the Royal Canadian Navy who would, um, by clever um, system, give them maple syrup and bacon. And uh, and it was really, you know, it was like tons of bacon and maple syrup. And oh, oh, anyway, never mind that. And Canada's almost close to the United States. And I do actually agree with this point that the uh, somebody clever in the British right was saying is, thank God we live in a constitutional monarchy. Anyway, that <laughs> on that point, uh, I realise what the time is. We're a, we were an hour, and you've got to go and... i got to go pick up my daughter now. Yeah, uh, but I feel Trump is going, and America is truly becoming better again. So congratulations, and well done, the United States of America. You didn't even have to give us a Marshall Plan. So look at that. <laughs> no, no, we're, like, we're, we're, we're broke. Uh, By the way, the one thing I have to say, because this just sort of came across the transom, I forgot to bring it up earlier, but I don't know if you saw that headline or that front page story in The Sun about the, the Brexiteer who's got tens of thousands of sex arses stuck in Calais, screaming <laughs> that he wasn't told in advance that, this, that Brexit would, would interrupt his lucrative sex toy business. But that to me, I think, is is the metaphor for for England. I'm a uh, I'm a passionate Remainer. Other assholes stuck in France. I, can't I'm, make a, I, I'm a passionate Remainer, but as for this particular gentleman and his corpus, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a little part of me. Sorry, I didn't vote for Brexit. But there we go. Mm. You've been listening to the Last Call uh, with Mike Weiss in New York and uh, John Sweeney in London. Cheers, and thanks for listening, folks. And if I can work out how to stop this, I will. <laughs>